Welcome back, inebriates. I feel like I haven't done one of these in ages, but um, I think I took a couple weeks off. Things have been crazy around the office. It's been a great year so far. Um, and we are joined today by Sam Emerson Beaudry. Did I get that right? All right. <laughs> I usually ask the pronunciation, then I immediately screw it up. Uh, singer, songwriter from Hello Emerson. Uh, they have a new album coming out on March 29th called To Keep Him Here. Um, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's fun. I went on a long drive today and listened to an episode, and I'm excited to talk. So I appreciate it. That's that's great. Um, I always love it's so weird. Like you look at your statistics and you can see like when you have good months and bad months. But when you see like one person is like, oh, I listen to your show and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's such a weird feeling when it's a specific person. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's fun to have those kind of windows into into the things that you make. I feel like our most primary and like central experience is going to be us making the thing, and then the secondary experience is everybody else experiencing that thing. Um, yeah. So it's really fun when those can kind of overlap. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's always fun, and I've had a few times where I've brought people on the show who had listened to the show before I ever asked them to be on. Oh, and that was like almost unsettling <laughs> in a weird way <laughs> if that makes any sense sure you know um but no it's, it's, it's always a lot of fun but i i i normally don't have questions in mind um but i do for you because i came into the office and i was kind of getting started on my day and i, I put your music on uh youtube on, on the tv to kind of you know I do that to kind of get myself in the mood like okay like what's their vibe and it cut to a couple of shorts that you did about journaling. <laughs> and I'm yeah. really curious about your journaling habit because it was really, and I'm not like a journaler type person, but I'm like, wow, it's all, it was all color coded. It seemed like, and there were charts. I mean, are you cool with talking about that? Like what, oh, what are yeah. you doing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I actually have it right here. I know this is a podcast. Um, yeah, but we can um, kind of describe it though. It, yeah. Like, so it was I'm almost gonna... like every, in entry was color coded, but like n not just yeah, yeah. yeah so like if, if we're thinking, so every uh, let me try to give a, a a cohesive explanation of this. So this okay. is a notebook that's an A4 size, so it's a little bit bigger than eight and a half by eleven. It's kind of like nine ish by twelve ish. Okay, um, and it's unlined, so it's it, and it's heavier weight sketch paper. So we're thinking that it's a little bit bigger than normal, and it's totally unlined, and it's got some heft to it. Um, so what I do is I write um, uh, what it feels like a normal size to me, but it looks pretty obscenely small on social media in my little capital letter writing in alternate colors by the day. And I underline each day. Um, and that has kind of become over the past. So since June 15, 2020, I've been writing in it and I call it my nearly daily journal. Um, and it's been closer to daily sometimes and other times. But I set a timer for 17 minutes at the start of every day. Um, and then just kind of do some dump onto the page. Um, and that it, it's mostly just to to kind of keep me level and then mm -hmm. kind of check check in with myself at the beginning of every day. Um, whether that is just kind of rehashing something that happened yesterday, some decision that I'm trying to make coming up to it, um, or just like small little episodes and scenes from the world um, to try to put those down in writing. Um, people often ask online if I go back and read those, and the answer is pretty much no. Um, it's just there, um, but it's a pretty item that continues to get prettier uh, the more often I do this thing that I know is good for me. So it's kind yeah. of like a self-motivating sort of thing. And I find that it's really, really helpful 
um, to keep me level, um, which is, <laughs> I feel like that's the main creative battle for me, um, is making sure that um, my little machinery continues to hum along uh, smoothly and I can continue to be a person in the world. And the longer I can continue to be a person in the world, the longer I can make stuff that's meaningful, at least to me, yeah. in the world. It's interesting because like, I don't think people really think about being you know it's at some core we, we have the instincts to you know eat and sleep and you know find shelter but to be part of society is not like instinctual like to function quote unquote normally is not is kind of like something you need to learn and you know i grew up i was extremely introverted um very awkward had a small group of very, very close friends and didn't really socialize outside of that. Then as I became an adult, I started a business and I'm like, oh, I have to talk to people. And it was like a concerted effort to like have to learn how to socialize. And now I'm a very social person. Um, but even just like, I love that you said that, like you check in, you know, when uh, COVID hit, like maybe like, late 2020 2021 mm -hmm. you know i went back to therapy for brief you know i was in like maybe i don't know two months i think i went i can't remember but it was literally i'm just like you know i need a tune-up like i need to kind oh, of yeah live. and it was interesting because i went through you know i don't wanna i went through a very popular online therapy if you listen to podcasts you've heard their ads um and part of it is it would like pop up and be like, Hey, you haven't journaled today. And I'm like, Oh, okay, I'll do that. And just kind of like getting that thought out of your head. That's been nagging at you or whatever. Sometimes it's, it's like getting, it's like getting a, a song stuck in your head out, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And it, yeah, I love it that. goes from kind of like ephemeral and kind of like a gnat that's flying around. Mm -hmm. So like if you, you, can, you can get that down on paper and then, Oh, that's not flying around anymore. Your problem is not solved by any, by any means, but it is like now stationary, like you can look at it. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's the main help for me. And I'm not even sure that I consider myself a journaler either. Um, but it is something that I know is really good for me that I do pretty much every morning. Um, and I think the reason that you saw those videos is because um, maybe starting roughly around this year, I mean, we've been a band for eight years. We put out two records. We've gone on a couple tours over in Europe. We don't tour much in the States. Um, we made a good friend with a label out in Dresden. Mm -hmm. um, and we've kind of kept up that relationship, which is like the dream. It's, it's amazing. Um, but um, it, we hadn't really engaged much in social media, um, mostly because I have kind of an inherent distrust um, of, of this thing that kind of makes money by capturing attention. Um, and I know that if I'm going to contribute to that, uh, I'm kind of risking myself to get those hooks in me as well. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely felt that, right? If I'm making stuff to put out for the band, um, I'll find myself, oh, I kind of got caught again, right? Oh, there goes 10 minutes and that sort of yep. thing. Not that I'm obsessed with efficiency or productivity, but like I am moderately obsessed with attention and paying attention because I think that's where my favorite art comes from. Um, just sustained attention given to almost anything, especially everyday mundane things seen in a different light. So like this year, I was like, okay, I really believe in this record about my dad that we've made. I'm really proud of it. I think some people might find it really helpful for their lives. So it's time for me to consistently and meaningfully engage online with social media for 
for the the sake of this record of these songs, right? Not not necessarily for an ego thing, but hey, I believe in this project. Let me do something that's uncomfortable for me to show up for it. Um, and I think <laughs> what I what I found is that the least damaging way for me to do that is to take time lapse videos of something that I do anyway that I know is good for me. So I can set up that kind of it's a positive and reinforcement thing for me um, that also looks somewhat interesting online. So, and even if there's no response to it, I still did something that's good for me. Um, and that's where I kind of get to remain um, interested. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. And then the social media does the social media thing. And one of our mundane videos about journaling like has almost a million people watch it. So then the question becomes, all right, how many of these people that are interested in these journals are interested in these little indie folk songs about my dad? <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe the answer is 5%, maybe the answer is 2%, but I think all of that effort is worth it for that 5 or 2% to then maybe find a record that's meaningful for them. So, yeah. That's it, it, that's kind of that's that's how you ended up watching those videos, I think. That that is that is the bizarre thing about like social media is you can like we've even put up just something in passing and it went really well and then the thing that you really want people to pay attention to no one notices it's the, the, the most frustrating thing about it is there you can't go anywhere and find out exactly like what it is that the algorithm sorts by you know mm -hmm. it, it's it's just blind luck and I loved how you're like, oh, you know, there goes 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, man, I wish I only wasted 10 minutes on social media. <laughs> you know, it's like more like they're like, where did that hour go? I've been watching dog videos or something. Yeah, but Look, that's uh, not the worst. That's not the worst thing that you can spend an hour doing. That seems. Oh, no. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and I found like um, video content that I've really connected with um, that I do think is healthy. But there's a lot of it that's just garbage or just does it to kind of get you infuriated and angry and so it's like trying to filter that stuff out is always a bit of a challenge so i think journaling is pretty yeah. pr pretty beneficial to most people so yeah um and i know i know it's really good for me um but yeah. i know songwriting is really good for me too so um it, it's all i think it's all kind of pushing in the same direction maybe maybe last year i kind of i was like all right what's my thesis statement for like uh, either songwriting slash life or, or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I read a lot of David Foster Wallace when I was an undergrad. Um, and I wrote, um, I wrote my undergrad thesis in literature on this one David Foster Wallace short story called Good Old Neon. Um, and he would do these things where he would like adopt people's tone or adopt other authors' uh, other authors' tone uh, in short stories. So he had like a John Barth story. He had like a Brett Easton Ellis story where he kind of mm. adopted that tone, pastiched it, made some commentary on it, but it was still also like a really good narrative too. Um, and good old neon was like his Salinger story. So I think I spent 50 pages being like, Hey, this is his Salinger story. Here are some uh, quotes and a diagram. Uh, yeah, please, please let me pass. Um, yeah. But I think the thing that I really loved about his work was that, yeah, he could get up his own ass. Yeah, he could get super metafictional. Yeah, he could be too bombastic and like gymnastic with his prose for his own good. But there was always a really deep beating heart of empathy at the core of his work. And there's an interview where he talks about how he thinks that the, the point of fiction, I think in a conversation with Jonathan Franzen, he said the point of fiction is to make people less lonely. Um, and that is kind of what I've, I've found, at least for the past couple of years is, well, 
I think my function, my, my, my function in songwriting is to, to make people feel a little bit less lonely. My function in my job, I work at a library, um, is to make essentially the kids that I see every day less lonely. Mm -hmm. um, and then my function being a musician in Columbus, Ohio, is to find community and make that community a little bit less lonely. And some days I do that better than other days. But um, I've definitely been finding that as like a comforting kind of at least working thesis statement um, for life right now. Um, do, do, you, do you have like a like an approach that that you kind of check in with yourself on of like, hey, is this doing X, Y or Z? Is that like what's what's so important to you? I I went through some really hard times of God. It feels like a lifetime ago, but it was probably before I moved to Plymouth. So it was probably like 15 years ago. And um, it was like my first real bout through therapy. And mm -hmm. it was that point where the therapist was kind of like, hey, uh, you've been through some fucked up things in life. And you're like, oh, that's not normal. And they're like, <laughs> no. And you're like, oh, oh, I'm not happy. You know, <laughs> and that kind of like just never dawned on me that, you know, like when you've lived on a scale of one to 10 at a four of happiness as being your peak, you're like, okay, that's happy. And then. Uh -huh. You're like, oh, there's a seven. I didn't know there was a seven. Whoa. Yeah. And I literally started to, um, it started off a few times a day that I would rank my mood on a scale of one mm -hmm. to 10. And mm -hmm. then it kind of like got down to, um, you know, like once a day or twice a day. And it was even just doing that was I don't want to say it was all I did, but it was a huge part of what I did because it just made me realize being like, oh, I'm not happy right now. What would make me happy? Like, what do I want to like? Am I going to put on a, a different um, musician? Am I going to go for a walk? Am, you know, like it, it just kind of like made you more keenly aware. And like, there, there's been times like, I don't really do it anymore. It's, it, it's more natural. Um, but there was there was one day and I was just driving in a car and I was having an argument with myself about someone who I dated like, I don't know, eight years ago. And it was like, why am I mad? Like, I just drove <laughs> by a house she used to live in, doesn't even still live. Why am I mad? And it was just like one of those. For whatever reason, my, you know, malfunctioning brain just locked into that and I had to kind of like stop and go, OK be mad let that go that's over that's long over no one cares and it it's yeah like i said before it is literally something that you have to kind of learn to deal with and like learn uh, you know what works for some people don't doesn't work for everybody but like you kind of have to to learn skills to how to function as a human being and, and be happy like it, it's weird that happiness is not an instinctive thing, which I, I don't understand why it's not. Yeah. I mean, like I, this, I mean, it resonates a lot. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate yeah. it. Like, uh, I, and I think I found for me, at least when it comes to depression um, and how like my, <laughs> how my vehicle works or, or, or kind of the intricacies, the bumps in my engine and how I've kind of learned to treat myself in a way that works for me. 
um, like that visibility is, the, is one of the biggest parts, right? And even just as simple as tracking your mood um, can let you know, oh gosh, I am actually in a downswing. <laughs> yeah, um, which yeah. Is fun and, and it's really funny that you can go through two weeks and be like, gosh, for some reason, the stuff that I enjoy just isn't really, I'm just not compelled to do that. I, I don't know why. And, and not even like occurring to you. And then it, it, it normally took me about two weeks to just be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm depressed again. I, I remember this happens. Yeah. I also remember that there's another side to it, but it's really difficult to see that side when you're inside of it, right? Um, it's it's kind of like somebody drew the windows closed and you know that the outside is there, but it's just being blocked by curtains. And as much as you can imagine what the curtains are, if you're in a pitch black room, you can't see them. So yeah. you're kind of, you're, you're forced to kind of exist in this space where, all right, like I, I need to remember that I can trust that there's, there's something after this. Um, and I think that's where a lot of, that's where maybe my like idiosyncratic kind of week sheet habit tracking, mood tracking stuff comes from because it's like, okay, here is a consistent practice that I know keeps me moving forward um, even when I can't see that there's a road ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It, it always makes me think of that. Um, that claim, which I've heard is not true, but if you put a frog in a boiling pot of water, it jumps out. But if you slowly increase the temperature, it just stays in there and boils alive. It's like if something, and I've always said, it's not like if there's something, if there's one thing terrible that usually doesn't derail me, it's like when there's nine small things that are just bumming me out, you know, and it's like that slowly, like, you know, today I'm at a seven, tomorrow I'm at six and a half, the next day I'm at six, the mm -hmm. day after that I'm at a five, you know, and it's just kind of like, it's this slow, gradual descent into depression opposed to where like if something tragic happens, you go from like 704 and you're like, all right, I need to take a moment and do whatever. But it's that slow daily grind that just wears you down. Do you have a, a like, like I have one thing that I will automatically go to, but is there like one thing that you do that will kind of kind of give you like a jump start out of that kind of, downward spiral um uh, answer answer plainly is no um okay. uh but I, I think um like the stuff that i do in the mornings it, it's it's funny that it's taken me this long to figure it out um a whole bunch of people um on my dad's side of the family run um and that's been really helpful in the past year or so um so i've been running like 5ks in the morning um like four to five days a week or so or that's like oh, the goal. Holy crap. And I'm normally hitting it. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of running. So, and, and it's funny, I think you mentioned earlier, like, oh, not everybody has this big stuff to carry or this stuff to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think what I'm finding is that um, to get up to baseline, um, I need to put in a lot more work um, to just jumpstart my my head, honestly. Yeah. So um, it's, it's taken a lot of fits and starts, um, but that's my i think my main strategy right now um is is running um and it's not it's not running super long distances it's running consistently it's starting my day with that mm -hmm. um and it's it's i i think parts of me wish or or maybe there is some sort of solution that doesn't require nearly as much effort but um <laughs> i think that that just might be how my engine runs is it yeah. it's going to demand a little bit more care and attention um and i'm happy enough and lucky enough to be in a place where i where I can I can take that half hour in the in the beginning of the day to give it that care and attention, um, and it, things have come up when 
finishing this record and, and promoting it where it's like, oh, well, maybe I can answer a couple emails instead of, you know, run. Um, yeah. And it, always I notice when I do that, it's like, oh, yeah, you should probably prioritize yourself <laughs> or at least your head or your body. And, yeah. you know, if that email doesn't get answered that day, that's okay. Um, yeah. So I think for me, there's not one like quick hit fail safe, um, but it's more of that. I think finding solace in those kind of daily rituals or weekly kind of conditioning things. What, 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 what works for you? So, like I said, when I grew up, I was very introverted and lonely and sad and blah, blah, blah. And I find I didn't know this about myself as I'm a very social person. I really mm -hmm. enjoy being around people. So kind of my running 5Ks is making sure I get out with friends and out in the public and go to new places. And, and I, I don't like to sit at home. I don't like to watch TV. Mm -hmm. um, so if I kind of am tied up with work or whatever and, and I'm not getting that kind of social interaction, I can get really, really down. And one of the things that I find that just will... And I know it's not a it's more it's more of a, a a quick fix and it's not a real thing is i listen to jamiroquai because if you can nice. like, sing and kind of move your body to jamiroquai you have no soul that's all oh come on that is that's like, perfect that's yeah. awesome and, i mean i also love making sure that you're getting out in the world and seeing friends right it's so easy to forget that the world is full of really incredible things that you're just kind of like or in a walk or a drive or anything like that away but also yeah fuck yeah jamiroquai yeah i mean just you put it on and like, I don't care what kind of mood you're in within two, three songs. You're like, yeah, man, like I feel a lot better. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like and it, it's getting out in the world. Like last night uh, I ran an event down in Bristol, Rhode Island, and mm -hmm. it was this place I'd never been before. And I walked into this brewery and I'm just like, this building is so cool. Oh, like it's not. It's like in an old factory. And then, you know, I'm asking like, what did they used to make here? Like this place. And it's just this, it, it's such a cool vibe where it still had the old factory feel, but you could tell they kind of like updated it, but it was still weird and eclectic. And they had like lots of cool art on the wall. And I'm like, this, this, like, this is a place I wouldn't have come like this. I would have not, it was only about an hour away. It was not far, but mm -hmm. you know, it's like, people need to go out and do things like mm -hmm. even just a change of a cool venue or I'm lucky because I can pretty much see the ocean from my house. And wow. if I lean correctly, I could probably see it from the office or if I stood on the roof. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you know, I think in a lot of the relationships I've been in the past, um, I've always been with the wrong people, the people who, get up, go to work, come home, watch reruns of sitcoms, have dinner, rinse, repeat. And I'm like, this is, this is torture. This is not. Mm -hmm. And um, which, you know, clearly more people do than I think. I don't know. But it, it's, I, I don't get that. Like, I just, I'd rather go to a dive bar and have a weird conversation with someone than, sit and watch the big like i've seen the big bang theory i've laughed i've enjoyed it but to watch it over and over and over and over again i just i don't get that yeah i think there's there's like a comfort seeking there that is going to look different based on the person and like 
I, I mean, I'm going to go through weeks where it's like, great. I don't, I don't have, I don't have the spoons left over. I don't have the gas in the tank to, to like get out to, the to do the spoons left over. <laughs> Is that oh, there's a, oh yeah. There's, 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 um, uh, if, if your friend's trying to get you to go do something and you're just like, I'm out of energy you can be like, Hey man, like I only got two spoons left. I don't think I have the spoons for that. That sounds like a three spoon activity. <laughs> And I got to make dinner. I got to make dinner. That's going to cost me one spoon. And then like, I'm going to have to like do this cleaning up around the house. That's going to be my last spoon for the day. Um, (laughs) Okay. It's, it's a, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I mean, those like you staying tethered to, to the world and the people in it and being able to kind of pop out of your own zone and find those connections is a real, right. That's, it takes strength and that's a real gift. I think, especially for somebody who's, um, predisposed to being introverted and and I'm really similar in that way yeah um, I'm, I'm thankful for for songwriting and for making music and playing shows because it kind of carries within it this impulse to to go out and an expectation to play shows and an expectation to go see other people play shows um, and make friends and find overlaps and all those things um, and I'm so happy that I get to lean into my introverted side that's really curious and interested in, in sadness and in grief and in <laughs> leaning into hard things um, and trying to represent those in music. Um, but then on the other side from that really insular experience is, hey, you get to make a record with your friends. Hey, you get to go play shows with other people. Hey, you get to go to Germany and play shows over there and stay in strangers' houses and have good morning conversations, have great after, after show conversations. And all of those things that um, can feel overwhelming to me at times but um, are so fully attached to my favorite part of music, which is writing a song alone in a room, um, yeah. that it, it just kind of invites me out to go do that thing that I know is good for me, right? Yeah. Like, I know it would be bad for me to just hole up for six months and not see anybody. Um, but it, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful. It, it's like going to the gym. Like, you know going to the gym is good for you, but just doing it just doesn't sound appealing. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Most days I wake up and I'm just like, I'm, I don't want to run. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing that. And then I'm putting on my shoes, and I'm like, "There's no way I'm gonna run." And then I <laughs> down the down the driveway, and it's like, "Well, I guess I'm running now, so I should finish." Um, and it's and it's always a better a better way for me to to start my day. Yeah. Um, it's and it's 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 funny. I feel like we're talking so much about like managing, um, maybe managing depression in some ways, or managing some kind of like alienation, or kind of like disconnection um and and i feel like the the record that that we made um leans into like an acute version of that yeah because it's about your dad who had a bad accident is he still amongst us he's still with us um he had he was helping out some strangers on the side of a road um he was he was driving home and saw that there was a tree down and couldn't go over it in his little volkswagen beetle so he pulled over to help some people that, mm-hmm. that were already working on it. So he was moving that with some strangers. A branch snapped, um, and then he fell to the ground. And the back of his head just hit the concrete, just like Ugh. full stop, like boom. Um, and, I mean, he describes in the beginning, the opening of the record um, is his narration of his mm-hmm. last memory. And his last memory is seeing the time on the dashboard. And that's the last thing that, that he remembers. He doesn't remember getting out, doesn't remember working on the tree, it's oh, all of his okay. memories are wiped after he walks out of the car. Um, and this is sort of all pieced together between um, what we could gather from the first responders. And there was a nurse there that um, he got up 
after being unresponsive for several minutes and was going to yeah. drive home. And this nurse was just like, oh, absolutely not. You cannot <laughs> yeah. Yeah. drive. Um, so they took him straight to the hospital. Um, so then I got a call from my mother saying, hey, driving up to the U of M hospital. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to find there because she didn't have many details and, and that happened to him alone. So um, she let me know what was happening and then and then called me later that day to say, hey, we all need to, to, to go up there and, and meet. And, and the tenor of that conversation was, we need to meet and we're not sure whether we're all going to be saying goodbye or whether we're all going to be pulling for him to come through. Like we just, yeah. we just don't know, right? So, so he was in the ICU up there in, in, in U of M. And I mean, that initial incident happened in 2017. Um, and he was there for nine days and eventually was discharged um, and had a, a long recuperation process over the, over the next half year or so. So he's, he's back at it. He has no sense of smell. He has uh, a bit less of a filter um, when okay. he's talking, uh, but he was an angel to begin to, to begin with. So it's kind of funny to see these these things that probably he's always thought, but knew knew best to keep to himself. Yeah. Um, uh, and he's an, an incredible extrovert and very social person. Um, so it's 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 a little bit. I think it, it, after all of this, it's it's kind of charming to see to see that, especially knowing that um, he came really close to to not being there anymore. So yeah. Um, that's all to say that the, the, the record walks through those nine days of him being the hospital while the family is walking a tightrope between uh, are we pulling for him to, to recover or are we saying our goodbye here? Um, and day to day, that kind of that changes and, and shifts and, and, and ebbs. Um, so I, I think all of the maybe maybe living with depression for a long time. I think it inures you to the immediate shock and, and, and terror of, of sadness. It kind of mm -hmm. makes makes grief like a fellow passenger with yeah. you. Um, and, and I think for me, I was I was curious about it, even in really sad moments. So I think during something that earth shaking, um, I think my paying attention brain turns on, and I'm just going to be a sponge, and I'm going to be present, and I'm going to soak up as much as I can. Um, and after a couple of years removed from that, when things felt somewhat resolved, um, or at least we knew that dad was okay, it kind of came mm -hmm. time to to put the story back together. So we started, StoryCorps came to town, the NPR program that has people interview each other. And I sat down with my dad for a 40 minute talk about this incident that ch totally changed the family that he has no memory of and that he's the sole witness of. That's, that's um, so crazy. It's it's really wacky. And then, and then I maybe a year or two after that, I started making this record and kind of chopping up a little bit of that, those, those interview clips. Um, so his voice takes us through the entire record. Um, oh, that's cool. Of that. Yeah. And right. We mostly make folk songs and folk music, but Dan, the percussionist is the musical director and he arranged for a local chamber group of vibraphone, violin, clarinet, um, piano with some prepared piano pieces that kind of, um, kind of wafts us through a, a <laughs> what those days felt like and an attempt to kind of patchwork quilt back together a narrative that, that nobody had the full story of. That's really interesting. It, it, it is so funny how like that stuff can impact you. Like I I'm able to, I I've dialed in exactly. I know exactly why I have depression. I know why I get anxious and it is all based on my self-esteem. I have incredibly mm -hmm. low self-esteem. And it's something that I will struggle with to the end of my time. 
Sure. And um, I've gotten better, but you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things that happens. But when you, when you go through that unsure thing where it's the people who took care of you and now you're taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so my father passed away. Let's see, it's always going to be so 19 years ago this past December. Mm-hmm. And like, I just went into like this mode of like, I shut my feelings off because mm-hmm. it was all about like, I got to take care of my mother. Mm-hmm. I got to make sure she's all right. Mm-hmm. This is going to be an emotional thing for her. And, uh, it was in December, of course, you know, like right around his birthday, right around Christmas. Yeah. So it became like this whole thing. And um, my ex-wife was pregnant with my son at the time. No, with uh, my youngest at the time. So it was kind of like just so much was going on. And then mm-hmm. when things finally quieted down, um, you know, my ex-wife's like, why don't we go to the movies? Like, we we, we need a break. Let's go to the movies. Aww. And I'm like, cool. I'm like, there's this new Tim Burton movie I want to see. And it just so happened to be Big Fish, which I don't know if you're familiar Aww. with that story. I haven't seen it, but I think I know where this is going. Yeah, and it's about a guy whose dad's dying, and he's trying to make out, like, what is real and what's not real about his dad's life because his dad was, like, a Big Fish story kind of guy. And my yeah. dad, like would tell me stuff, but didn't tell me a lot about his life. And like the character in the movie's wife was pregnant. And it was just like, we sat there silently through the entire movie, got up, walked out in the car and just like, that's when all the emotions came through and just two of us just cried. And it was just like, in a weird way, it was like that needed to happen. Like we had just been holding back for like a month of just trying to make sure that everyone else was okay. And that all the, you know, boxes were checked and forms were filled out and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. it was like, it was so needed at that point just to, to hit the floodgates. Just, yeah, you know, I think we sat there for like 45 minutes before we're like, all right, let's try to drive home now. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so happy you had that, that experience. I'm very happy that like most people are like, Oh my God, that's terrible. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. It was like the most important thing. Like, yeah, weirdly one of the most important movies I've ever seen in my life. And I've only, I, I don't really go back and watch it but it meant a lot and it was like, you couldn't, you couldn't have written a better movie, like two time with my life. It was so meaningful and cathartic and yeah. So like, that is like the coolest. I mean, that, that is the personally coolest thing that I think art can do. And it's like personally inspiring to me. Right. Cause like, there's so many reasons um, that that may, might not have happened. And yeah. no, nobody even on set, was thinking of you nope. um, in any capacity at all. We are either making something that we think is important to us, trying to pad out our career, making a paycheck, all that sort of stuff, right? And all of these different motivations that goes into the hundreds and hundreds of people that put together a movie like that. But then if the right art finds you at the right time, it gives you what you need. Um, and so much of that is blind chance. Like mm-hmm. like John, John Darnell, Mountain Goats, like I remember reading an interview from him saying, yeah, it's great that people love my music. I'm happy that I have a following. Um, the service that my art serves could also just as well have been served by some other band that had some similar things to it. Sure. Right. Um, and like, it, I, it, when that art can come and find you and meet you and help you 
process that or give you invitation or an opening to cry and to weep and to kind of have that art hold you. It's just the most magical thing in the world. And like, like that would be my biggest hope, I think, for this record is that somebody might somebody might weep in a way that they need um, because they were given permission to. And have we been we've been kind of testing out these songs at live shows. And inevitably, as we play one of the songs from this record, people will come up and be like, hey, right, share something similar to what you just shared. Hey, I lost my right, my dad, my mom, my grandpa. And this right, made me think of that. And thank you for that. Um, and like that's <laughs> in those interactions, it's like, great, cool. Here's an advanced copy of the record. <laughs> don't, share, <laughs> don't share this with anyone. Yeah. But awesome. Yeah. Making this helped me. And I'm honored and humbled that that helped you. So. Um, yeah and and it's one of those and it's funny like when because i was listening to tupperware and glass as a song that's out yeah yeah so uh like i was scrolling through your youtube channel and i'm like "Ooh, tupperware and glass oh that's funny we just we have another podcast called the old colony cast um Mm -hmm. and it's about like local stuff local history a little bit of true crime and we also kind of highlight, you know, the inventions that happen locally. Well, Tupperware is local to Massachusetts. So not oh, wow. too long ago, we did like, uh, it's got my favorite episode titles called There Ain't No Party Like a Tupperware Party. <laughs> and uh, we got like super nostalgic about Tupperware because we grew up with it. And and I'm like, oh, it's funny. I'll put this song on. And I put it on. I'm like, oh, this song's way heavier than I thought it was going <laughs> to <Wow. laughs> um but yeah no and it kind of like made me think of my dad because like it it was clear that that's like who you're singing about and 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 that was one of my things is like oh like do i ask this guy what like is his dad with us like it's i don't know when this happened so it it's i'm glad he he's it sounds like he's doing pretty well so i'm glad that yeah yeah he's he's back at it and and like the thrust thrust of that song right is the like um oh gosh how does it go um I only drink high fructose on occasion. I traded mm-hmm. all my Tupperware for glass and that's all helpful stuff. If we live long enough. Yeah. Um, and then, well, heck I wrote the song. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll deal with the rest as it comes up. Yeah. Um, right. And, and it's still worth it to do all those small things. And, you know, I live in Ohio. We got, <laughs> we got some uh some trains derailing in our general area and oh sure you know yeah. dealing with some water stuff um right so you kind of can put those things in place to avoid the, the the common uh uh exposure to carcinogens or microplastics or things like that and you know use sunscreen keep yourself healthy and that's all worth doing um and still random stuff can happen and, and immediately kind of right, change things or end your life so yeah and and um, you get the guy who who has smoked two packs a day and drank a bottle of whiskey a week and he lives to like 103 it's right like, and bless him yeah. as, he, oh, as yeah. he should yeah it's like whatever um yeah it's just, and it's it's i've this year um my birthday was last month and i turned 49 and it was the first time that i was ever like woof that's that's like an old number. And because uh, <laughs> normally I'm like, ah, whatever. I don't feel my age. Uh, I'm starting to feel a little more, you know, like I have some knee problems and my vision's not awesome. But like, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, 49 is almost 50. And that's mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a number. That's the over the hill number. <laughs> and um, which is funny because like 
most people don't consider what I do a real job. And, you know, people tell me I look younger than I am or like, I'm like, Oh, you know, my son's 22 or whatever. And like, how do you have a 22 year old son? Um, But I feel like a lot of it is because, you know, 15 years ago, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving up on frankly bullshit, you know, like Mm -hmm. if I don't need to deal with people's drama and, you know, I'm going to worry about myself, not in a narcissistic way, but just in a, you know, you got to make sure you're okay before you can worry about someone else. And sure. And, uh, you know, my, me being happy will lead to my kids being happy and, you know, cause I'll be a nicer person. And, um, yeah. So it just kind of like, I, th- not that I don't have any stress in my life, but I, I just don't feel like I fret over the little things that a lot of people worry about and, you know, work drama and stuff like that. And I'm like, I just, I don't have time for that, you know? And Mm -hmm. and it's just, no, I'm not going to do, I worked for Home Depot for a while and they're like, oh, you need to do this. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to (laughs) work overnight. And they're like, but you have to. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to. Oh yeah. But you, but you don't. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, but it's required. I'm like, cool. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and they're like, we'll write you up. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, do do your paperwork. Like, I'm I'm just not doing it. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's learning to say no, and, and just kind of learning what you need to do to take care of yourself is like such an important thing. And I don't feel like enough people do it. Yeah, I, I, that I think taking care of myself maybe connects to to the approach to to music because I don't look to music to be my economic engine. Um, and maybe that's not something I should say on a, on a podcast to convince people to listen to my music, but like I, yeah, but it's genuine. Work. Like I, yeah, me, that, that I, is more interesting than someone who's like, this is the best work I've ever done, you know, to be like, ah, I mean, I'm going to do and, it whether you like, pay me to or not is so much more yeah. genuine. Yeah. It's and like, it's, it's both right. Like I get to make this thing that nobody asked for, um, that is incredibly specific. Um, <laughs> uh, that is incredibly important to me. Um, while also I get to be a neighborhood uncle running youth programs at my local library, which takes me out of myself. I think tethers me to, to my community um, and is incredibly important to me. And so much of my music work I then can bring into the library with like songwriting programs and recording programs and, and all of this awesome stuff where it's real um, and it's tangible and it doesn't exist ephemerally online. It exists in, oh my gosh, hey, Mr. Sam is here today. What are we doing today? You always got a plan. What's happening? Um, and I think it's just a privilege to see to see these young people making their way in the world and knowing that I get to be um, a confidant on the sidelines, um, kind of cheering them on every day after school. Um, and that is, right, that's a paycheck, but that's also priceless. Yeah. Um, it takes the economic pressure off of music. It gives so much meaning to my life that then I have the energy and resources to go make something beautiful that might affect somebody like the way Big Fish affected you mm-hmm. um, with a much smaller budget and a different <laughs> medium. Um, you don't have Tim but, Burton money? <laughs> uh, yeah, surprisingly, I don't have Tim Burton money. Um, but uh, yeah, I think for for one of the first times in my experience of life, I've, I feel like what I'm doing right now, I could continue doing without burning out for several decades. 
and it could be a really deeply meaningful life. Um, yeah. And I would be so thrilled and happy and excited to live it, um, even if nobody listened to the, to the songs and records that I made, because um, I am intent on continuing to make them. Yeah, and it and it's funny like how impactful you can be on someone and be pretty much clueless that like you're like I know they know my name and that's about <laughs> the extent and like then they come up to you and then they kind of confess they're like and I've had it happen to me recently a few times and uh like one guy was um you know working and like he pulled me aside and he, he's like you know he's like I'm going out on my own I'm you know, starting my own business, doing the same thing I was doing, but now I'm going to work for myself. And he's like, mm -hmm. he's like, what you do kind of inspires me, even though it's completely different. And, you know, I, he's like, I respect what you do. And it's just like, oh, I mean, <laughs> I just have a beer with you once in a while, man. Like I didn't, you know, and then um, we do stand up comedy shows too. And a, a stand up comic the other day pulled me aside. I was like, oh, thank you so much. I'm doing my first sh like real show. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's because of you. And I'm like, I literally just sent you a link to an open mic for our comedy booker. That's all I did. And he's like, no, no, it's because of you. And I'm like, it's you did the work, man. I sent you a link. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's just so funny, like how something so small. I, I Send him a link and a text message being like, this is the the open mic. You need to do this open mic. If the booker likes you, he'll book you at other shows. And now he's doing his first. And I think it happened yesterday. I think it happened yesterday. yesterday. Um, and, and, you know, it's just from just a dude I ran into at a bar and he like couldn't stop thanking me to the point where you know, my self-esteem issues started kicking in and being like, please stop talking. Please stop talking. <laughs> please stop thanking me. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it, it's just something so small. It can mean something so much to someone, you know, like, like you said, Tim Burton wasn't thinking about me when he made that movie. Not that that was something <laughs> small, but you know, my $12 or whatever it was for a ticket is small change for what that movie did. And it changed me, you know, had I known what it was going to be, I would have paid any amount of money for that movie. Sure. Yeah. Right. And, and even what you just shared, right, that your natural tendency to introversion, what you've done to kind of to push either push through that or notice that, oh, actually being social and making these these kind of opportunities for people, right, running an open mic night, putting together events is really meaningful. Right. Mm -hmm. Your your willingness to overcome that. Um, and to do some stuff that was risky and to do to put yourself out of that comfort zone has then opened up all these other opportunities for other people. Like we, yeah. like I met Jack, our keyboardist at the open mic when I first came to Columbus, Ohio, as like a transfer student to OSU, right? Yeah. Like that, and that's where I made my first friends. And like, that's where we had our first like little tape release like eight years ago. And that's where I met Lars from the label in Germany, right? That's why we've been able to go to Germany three times. We're going to go back this May. Like, all, all of these things um, are, are indebted to people who are willing to put themselves um, out there to make an event or yeah. to invite people in and kind of foster community. So, um, yeah. Hey, good job. You're doing it. You did it. <laughs> Stop. What Shut a, up, what, man. What Shut a, up. What a, what a gift. What a gift you've given to people. Uh, don't be like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be down. I wanted to be. Let's. Oh, my God. You just made me think. Uh so one of the best music shows 
around here. Uh, a good buddy of mine, Jeff Rosen, plays at the British Beer Company. It's this. It's my favorite bar. It's this dumpy dive bar in all the best ways. And he plays every Tuesday. And he calls it Naked Tuesday. I don't know why. That's what he calls it. And it's a great name. Yeah, and he like takes pop songs and he'll make them dirty or silly and um, he'll take requests and he plays all sorts of things. And every once in a while, people will just start requesting like a series of sad songs. Mm -hmm. And then he'll just like in the middle be like, let's get sad. And like the whole bar like just echoes back, let's get sad. And then he just like plays the saddest song. And it's just, it's so fun and stupid. Um, Yeah, it's it's that kind of like sometimes sometimes you want to hear a sad song you know yeah important especially like sad breakups i yeah the sad songs are my valley wick sure. yeah <laughs> um why why do you, do you think you have happy songs in you uh, you sound like my mother <laughs> <laughs> sorry i didn't mean it no you I, should make happy songs no, it, was, no, no. it was more of a I've always said like creative people are damaged. And the question is, are we damaged because we're creative or are we creative because we're damaged? So I was just wondering. Uh, Yeah. I think maybe if we use the word damaged, I think, I mean, everybody's dealing with, with some part that maybe appears broken, but I feel like the act of, of living and the act of creativity is just a process of, Hey, how do we put these back together to either help us or help other people? Right. We're kind of born into a world that, Hey, stuff is broken. So how do I figure out what the heck is happening here? And then how do I take my resources or my skills and try to figure out how I can kind of clean up a corner of it or kind of put something back together? And part of that could be myself. Yeah. Um, happy song. Probably we lost off of our second record, though it is a song about me breaking my nose playing indoor soccer. Um, uh, it has a bunch of saxophones. It, is quite bombastic um, and it's one that our local radio station has played a lot um, as kind of it just starts with these this dueling screaming saxophones going yeah. into this uh, into this drum beat um, hmm. but uh, yeah I don't know I think that that feels like a joyful song for me um, a song I wrote called Ohio feels like a joyful song to me um, Kyle Curley also feels like a joyful song though it's about a friend who moved away um, so I, I think I think I have them in me. Um, I think I get to choose what I what I lean into, what I'm compelled by, and, and what I want to try to capture. Um, and I think at least for now, that has been things that are um, that are harder for me to kind of process or, or stomach or or make my way through, which has yeah. been sadder sadder things. But um, yeah, jury's out. Maybe I'll be writing happy songs <laughs> soon. I don't know. I got some I, decades in me. I got I got to check out this Kyle Curley song because I feel like that one piqued my interest the most. Because you're like, oh, it's a happy song, but it's about my friend moving away. And it's like, I feel like that. I feel like if people understood that even when you're happy, there's still bad things like you, you know, and even when you're down, you can still crack a joke and laugh. And it's the idea that you're either happy or sad. It's not like they all live together at the same time. Yeah, there's a Dan Mangan lyric. Um, uh, this is good, but as far as I can tell, it's still heavy as hell when it's good. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I take a lot of comfort in that. The, the Kyle Curley song, I remember we went to a used bookstore and he got me a copy of Winesburg, Ohio by Sherwood Anderson. And it okay. was like an old copy and it was like almost falling apart. Um, and I read the first story 
and I wasn't really compelled enough to continue. And the book essentially just kind of fell apart. And I was like, okay, I love Kyle. Maybe this book wasn't for me. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean I don't love Kyle. And, and Kyle's then then moves to, to, to New York. And just because Kyle's moving away doesn't mean that um, he's out of my heart. He's since uh, moved back in town. Oh, nice. um, yeah. So, and a whole bunch of horns shenanigans in that song. Yeah. Nice. Sam, um, I think we've, I don't even really know where we're at. Cause we had that weird little hiccup, but um, <laughs> where can people go on March 29th to, to get the LP to keep him here? Um, you know, let's do all the promotional stuff. Yeah. Our people would be mad if I didn't do. Oh yeah. Um, so, <laughs> The, the website is helloemerson.com. Um, that's where you can find everything. You could pre-order the record now there. That would make me happy. Um, but then you can also find links to all of our music and all of our journaling supplies and everything there. And on all the social medias, we are at Hello Songs. So that is Hello Emerson with a GS. Oh, on the I like that. I love puns. That's a good pun. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, like a, I'm a big I'm a big pun guy. Um, so yeah, if I mean, if if the journaling stuff is interesting to you, probably Instagram or TikTok is the best place to find those kind of daily morning videos. Um, but yeah, if anything of this has been compelling to you in your own artistic practice, um, it's also fine if you don't listen to our music. If you take whatever nugget you had from and, and pull that forward in your own work, that's just as fine. I, I can keep working at the library and be a great neighborhood uncle. <laughs> but they can, even if they're not into your music, they can share this podcast with someone who might be into their music. And that's, as I get older, I realize that, you know, as a kid, I'd be like, that music's crap. And now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, it's not meant for me. Mm-hmm. That I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not that I'm wrong. I'm, I'm wrong here. You know, I've gone to shows been like, I don't really like this band. Everyone else is having a great time. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, I, I, I'm not their demographic. So. Yeah, I think, I think if somebody close to you has lost a parent or come close to it, um, I think the single that, that came out at the beginning of February, Tupperware for Glass, um, might resonate. It has the opening of the record that has my dad's narration rolling right into Tupperware for Glass. And I think that would be a good kind of taste if you have yeah. somebody who's, who's been dealing with that or that's kind of been coming up for you. I think that's where I would send you on all your streaming platforms. For sure. Yeah, it was that. it was a very meaningful song. I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, thank you, well, well, Sam. Thank you so much. This was so. Anytime you have something to promote, reach out because I had a. Oh, thank you. I, I, I really that. had a good time. Like we talked about heavy stuff, but it didn't feel heavy, which is you know, that's a, that's a win in my book. That's a win in my book too. Thank cool. you so much. I yeah, appreciate man. your time. Um. So, listeners, make sure you um check out to keep him here march 29th hello emerson's new album and uh we'll see you guys again next week and thanks for checking out the show today listeners uh if you enjoyed the content today you can go over to patreon.com slash to support the show you can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out you can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.